Welcome, listeners, to One Mission, the podcast. We're glad again to have you and our audience. This is Rick Lance. I'm your host. And today I'm glad to have a dear friend who is also one of our fine Alabama Baptist leaders, Greg Davis. He's the executive director of ALCAP. He's been in that position 18 months or so and doing an outstanding job so far, and we know he'll do so in the future. I've had the privilege of knowing Greg for a while, knew his family, his dad, his grandfather, and he comes from a, a, a blessed family, and he's, I know, very proud of that and glad to be have that kind of influence in his life. Greg, today is uh, always important. It's the day the Lord has made, and we're to rejoice and be glad in it. That's right. But it's, uh, you, it's a glad day for us to be able to have you with us here and to hear your testimony about what God is doing in your life, has done and is doing and will hopefully be doing, and also hear more about the work of ALCAP. A good number of people in Alabama Baptist life may yet not know the full width and breadth of what you do at ALCAP and what ALCAP represents. Begin, if you will, by just telling us a little bit of your background and a bit of a testimony, if you will, so Alabama Baptists will get to know you better. Certainly, love to, and thank you for having me. It's a real honor uh, to be a part of this conversation. Uh, I am a, a fourth generation ordained Southern Baptist minister, my great-granddad, my granddad, my dad, who you knew some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how far back you go, but... Uh, I don't uh, go back to your great-grandfather. Okay, we're, we're certainly, uh, they were uh, Southern Baptist pastors here in the right. state of Alabama. And so I tell people I'm Southern fried Baptist, you know, through yeah. and through, uh, you know, saved as, at a young age and a blessed family and, uh, you know, haven't always lived perfectly and certainly have had my faults and struggles over the years like many do. Uh, but uh, really surrendered to the ministry at uh, about age 18 and uh, being Southern Baptist all of my life. But my ministry has been, really been very multi-denominational with the uh, first priority of Alabama, the campus ministry. Yeah, uh, We worked with uh, you know, churches that were just interested in reaching you know, teenagers for Christ, right. uh, mostly Southern Baptist because that's mostly who's in the state of Alabama. But certainly we were, always have uh, worked with other evangelical denominations that were evangelistically minded. And so uh, that was kind of neat coming to ALCAP because uh, we, we primarily represent Southern Baptists, but we do work uh, with people of different denominations, and our legislators are often of, of different backgrounds. So it's kind of kind of prepared me for it. I did pastor a Southern Baptist church. I was youth pastor uh, as well at a couple of different churches mm. and, uh, you know, then uh, began uh, hosting a radio show here in Alabama, heard wow. about across about half the state uh, back in 2011, Priority Talk. So... The Lord has really given me, I have been blessed. I think that was a great word and and really opened up a lot of great doors for me that I could have never, ever imagined. And now being with ALCAP is just one of those that um, I I couldn't have planned it out if I'd have wanted to. For the sake of clarity, would you just tell the audience, some of them know, but many don't, what ALCAP, A-L-C-A-P, yeah. stands for. Most people don't know. And okay. I always had to ask as well before I came, you know, before I took the job. Right. It's the Alabama Citizens Action Program. Right. Uh, and so uh, citizenship's a big part of that. Right. And, uh, you know, citizenship is biblical. And, uh, you know, it, it, it really should be a bigger part of our uh, our discipleship even. You know, how do we live in this, in this world that we are, are placed in? You know, our ultimate citizenship, of course, is in heaven. Um, but we relate to, uh, you know, to the Alabama state legislature uh, on behalf of Southern Baptist. 
And, uh, you know, that's our state senators and our state representatives. On so there's Alabama Baptist, I, 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 particularly, yes, uh, our, our churches. Uh, you know, we're we're the people that that are there, you know, in Montgomery with them. There's 105 state representatives and 35 senators. And our goal is to know every one of them and to hopefully uh, minister and love on them and share Christ with them and then also share uh, biblical values with them when it comes to how they uh, how they legislate. Right. Well, that's good. And so far, have you, has there been a positive, negative surprise that you'd like to share with the audience? You know, one thing has just been uh, how well uh, respected ALCAP is um, in Montgomery. Uh, It's it's very well respected. You know, it goes way back, you know, Dr. Dan Ireland, of course, and then Dr. Godfrey. So I'm just trying to continue what those men had done and the wisdom that they had. Uh, So ALCAP, the name is, is known. Yes. People, uh, they, they recognize, they may not know what it stands for, but they certainly, uh, they know what we stand for. And uh, it, that, that's been a, a real blessing and a real, not a surprise, but, but something you're very glad to, to come across. Yeah, something that you knew was true, but is even more true now that you're in the position. Yeah. The ALCAP organization has deep roots in Alabama life, and of course, Alabama Baptist life, going back to the temperance movement and then... Later on, we had leaders there. I've known some of them even before Darren Ireland as a young child. And I've always been keenly interested in what ALCAP does in the ministry. But now we are obviously in a culture that is openly hostile to what we represent as evangelical Christians. And even though we might have very good and open uh, hands and open hearts to us as Alabama Baptists and evangelicals in the state legislature, there are some who are very hostile. So I would imagine working with state legislators on behalf of critical issues of, of nature that we all embrace, pro-life and many other, a plethora of issues, there might be some resistance even among some of the best of people. One of the I guess one of the main things that Al Gaps had to stand against through the years, and rightfully so, is gambling. Yeah. And now we have a growing interest in uh, embracing it, where at one time we seemed to resist it. So you might want to talk, not in naming names, but in general, how that, that change came about. I guess it was a generational part of it and a cultural part of it. Yeah, I, I think so. And, uh, and it's just become more normalized you know, in society overall. And so, uh, you know, there's just a drift that happens. Now, uh, you know, we have um, a lot of our 140 legislators are, are not for gambling, um, you know, on some level. Uh, and, um, you know, so it's it's a matter of just finding out exactly where, they're, where they stand. Uh, we know how destructive gambling is, how addictive it is. It's predatory. And so, uh, you know, we, and we know, the results that come from it. And we know that oftentimes the results of these kind of uh, addictive behaviors wind up right on the front steps of our churches. And while we're help, happy to help people that, that are in need, uh, it does take away from our proactive efforts to go out and make disciples. Yes, uh, And it drains us. It drains us our resources. It drains our energy. It drains our, you know, our, our time to have to deal with people that find themselves in such needless um you know, uh, needless situations, it, it didn't have to be that way. So uh, I think the normalization of gambling and, and allowing it to happen here in the state illegally, quite honestly, it's happening, uh, but it's not legal. But uh, the lack of enforcement of the law 
uh, has really normalized it to the point where people say, I call it normalized to legalize. Uh, everybody's doing it, so we might as well go ahead and legalize it so we can control it. And that seems to be now the, the prevailing thought. Even those who say, I, I'm, I'm not for it, I would vote against it at the ballot, but I, I'm going to vote for it so the people can vote, or yeah. uh, I'm going to vote for it because we need to be able to regulate it and control it. So that that's sort of where the argument's at right now. There's just not enough of our people speaking up on the issue. Uh all, when, when you're a legislator and all you ever hear are people saying, when are we going to have a lottery? When are we going to have casinos? When are we going to legalize sports betting? When that's all you ever hear, and they tell me they even hear that at church <laughs> when they go to church. Uh, when that's all you ever hear and you don't hear the other side, you just begin to think that's what everybody wants. Yeah. And we've got to be a little bit more vocal, I think, and, and, and put, our, uh, you know, put our values out there. Uh, through the years, I've gotten the idea that people feel like that if something really doesn't bother them directly, that it's not a problem, when it's the indirect part of it that they don't consider. For instance, when I drive through a neighboring state, I won't name the state, I love it, love the state, have family there, but you'll see uh, an advertisement for a casino, and then about a mile down the road, there'll be one for helping gambling addicts. Yeah. And that, that is just all the way through that stretch of the interstate, so to speak. And I've thought to myself, we're sending two messages. One, go have fun, gamble, mm -hmm. lose uh, valuable money that needs to be helping to feed children and pay bills. Right. And then, but when you do it, we'll help you with it as an addict. So it just seems to be a counterintuitive kind of message going on. And that part of it, it's just, to me, very obvious when you start seeing the need. And we have an increase in homelessness in America. We have an increase in crime in America. We have an increase in a lot of other evil things happening. And somehow or another, I wonder how people think this won't feed that sure. to make it even worse. I used that same example yesterday. I was doing a television interview for one of our networks here in the state about gambling. It's, you know, when we're recording this, it's right around football season starting. Right. So they were wanting to talk about sports betting. Yes. And I and I used that example. I said, you know, when you have to build in money to help the people who are going to be harmed by this activity, yeah. maybe we shouldn't be uh, promoting the activity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it kind of it, it's kind of counterintuitive. It really is. Yeah. It's not logical. Well, it really appeals to the most vulnerable and the most uh, who are prone to have addictive personalities. Of course, that's not all that ALCAP does. No. ALCAP represents us well in pro-life issues, and Alabama, uh, I heard the Arkansas former governor say Arkansas is the most pro-life state, mm -hmm. and I thought to myself, well, I think Alabama would be right up there with you, if not. Now, our law is certainly uh, stronger than theirs. I think they have yeah. a six-week law uh, when it comes to abortion, and yeah. ours is, uh, you know, prior to that. Right. And, uh, you know, the ALCAP's attorney, uh, you know, was, wrote that bill. Right. That became the law in 2019. So Alabama Baptist support certainly helps make that happen. And mm -hmm. we're not solely responsible for it. That, that, there's been a lot of people working a long time on this issue. But Alabama had the law in place when Roe v. Wade fell uh, that became uh, the law. And it's the strongest in the nation, uh, Dr. Lance. When I attend national meetings um, and they start talking about pro-life, it's not uncommon for them to put Alabama right up on the screen our law and and say this is the example mm. and i think a lot of times people out we don't realize that because yeah. we hear a lot of national noise about other states like you say and we don't really have anybody out there beating that drum i think nationally yeah. going hey look at us 
Right. Uh, but uh, but we have the strongest and I believe the best uh, pro-life law in the country, and it needs to stay the way it is. We don't need to change it. We, we've got the right law. I think Alabamians and Alabama Baptists particularly are – uh, less flamboyant about things, and we don't go around bragging on ourselves, which I have a deep appreciation for, but I also think at times we ought to be able to state the fact. And well, it, it shows other states. Other states follow other states. You know, right. If a legislation, if we bring legislation that's already passed in another state, yeah. and you go, hey, they've already done this in this state and this state, yeah. it, it gets instant credibility. Oh, oh, if they've done it, then we can do it. And so um, I, I think us being having more of a national voice would maybe help other states go, uh, hey, you know, if they can do it, why can't ours all be a little stronger? Well, we touched on very important two key issues. What other issues or concerns you see on the horizon that we need to be thinking about? Religious liberty is yeah, one that's that the one I was going to mention. Yeah, uh, religious yeah. liberty is is really big. You know, we keeping the doors of the gospel open. Right. Uh, you know, we can't just think here in Alabama that we don't have people that uh, would love to restrict, um, you know, what we enjoy here in our state, which are our churches are very involved in the community and have a public voice. And, um, you know, there, there's lots of funding and lots of people that would love to see that restricted. Alabama and Mississippi actually are sort of a target of, of some national groups that feel like if we can get some of these uh, religious liberty restrictions True. In, in, in those states— it's home free from there. You know, yeah. if you can get Alabama and Mississippi, there's no nothing you can't conquer. So there's been a lot of money put into our state, and and some of this is being fought on the local, more on the local level, uh, with the uh, what's called SOGI laws or sexual orientation, gender identification (SOGI) laws, and right. these are really more being implemented more on your on your city level. So I would just encourage everybody in Alabama, uh, talk with your mayors and your city council about religious liberty issues. That's sort of where they're they're coming. Right. Uh, and we've seen a couple of uh, municipalities here in the state actually push back on this and defeat it. Yes. Uh, just even recently here in our state. And our Alabama Baptist uh, churches and pastors were some of the ones that really led the charge in saying, no, this is not acceptable in our city. Uh, so it's not all on the state level. Uh, some it, A lot of it is on that city level. And, and of course, and so, you work with those. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll work so, with them best we can, yeah. you know. Um, uh, with the resources we have available, we, we certainly consult. We have consulted with those other two. One of the uncomfortable things I've heard most recently in recent years is for some politicians to define what we call religious liberty as freedom of worship, and that is what you do on Sunday morning, and that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, where it's a subtle it, difference, isn't it? Oh, it's a vast It's a slippery difference. slope, though. A vast difference. It, religious liberty encompasses everything about one's life, being able to be mm -hmm. uh, freely, being able to express your faith, and to have that restricted, whether we're talking about in social media or in other ways. I can tell you, and I shouldn't be too specific, but in disaster relief, we can go to some places here in the U.S. where the government uh, wouldn't particularly w welcome local government mm -hmm. and maybe state government wouldn't particularly welcome Southern Baptists because their fear of, quote, proselytizing or doing something they might consider to be bordering on, on hate matters where they're sharing their faith it, to the exclusion of someone else. When actually our DR workers are very trained at being uh, being able to give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name to the point that the people themselves ask, ask yeah. and it's not the other way around as much. They're, they're not they're not bulldozers. They're they're salt and light and mm -hmm. trying to help people in a time of need. 
which, by the way, reminds me of something I meant to mention initially. Uh, your predecessor had a sermon, and I've forgotten the title of it, but he began with a great commandment, that is John mm -hmm. 13, and talking about loving your neighbor as you love your, I mean, loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And then the great commandment, we all know that very well. And then he talked about something else. He called it using salt light. And I, I said to the him. The forgotten did, commandment. The forgotten commandment. He talks about, yeah, the two, and then he says, but there's a third, and it's yeah. be salt and light. And he says, that's the forgotten commandment. Well, I, I told him that um, uh, you have a, he called it the, uh, well, I've forgotten what he called the John 13 pas passage. He called it something else. Uh, and, the, and the great commission, the great commandment, the great commission. And then I said, the salt and light ought to be the great calling. Mm. And he started using that. And I thought that was a good contribution. I'm sorry to be on a little <laughs> immodest here, but uh, that's the way my mind Well, thinks. I will tell you on our website, that whole series, he did a whole series during COVID on uh, on the forgotten, on that on that series. Yeah, the, but the, he calls it the forgotten commandment. Right. And it would be an excellent resource for uh, any of our churches for a, a Wednesday night Bible study or something. Um, really good. And By he talks way, about a lot of the issues of uh, citizenship. He has a name, by the way. That's Joe Godfrey. That's right. I should have mentioned that. I just said predecessor. So we are, and he's still active, folks. He's out in churches serving as an interim sure pastor is. now. And, and uh, you know, hasn't been a whole lot of uh, days. I haven't had some communication with good. him in my new role, and, and certainly no weeks I haven't been in communication. Right. And so uh, he he's still been very, very helpful to us. Yeah, that's good. He's still got a lot lot to give. Well, you're standing on some tall shoulders going way, way back, and we we know that you'll also have shoulders in which someone in the future will be able to stand you know, upon. Dr. Lance, I remember when I was a teenager, I remember Dr. Ireland yeah. you know, led the ministry for 30 years. Yes. I remember him coming to our church and um, and preaching and speaking, and he'd come over to the house and have lunch. You know, my dad was the pastor. Right. And I remember thinking, man, I'm glad somebody does that. You know, yeah. what he does. Right. And having no idea that I would, you know, fall into that role one day. So it's, it's And every it's, one of them that I've known, and I've known more than I'd like to admit, each one of them had a different kind of contribution to make in their yeah. personalities and, yeah. and all that. Um, but Dan had a he had a way of being a chaplain, Dan Ireland, mm -hmm. a chaplain to the state legislators. He'd be at their wedding, their funerals and yeah. be at the time of death with people and so he, he just had a winsome way. Uh, one of the things I learned from Dan, just watching him uh, with politicians, not that I have to do it because that's more your work, but I do have to relate in some ways, is that you don't want to get mad at them on this issue that's right. and hold a grudge because you'll need them on something else yeah, down the road. That's right. So Dan, Dan was very good at that, and I think that's a good role model to have because politics is politics. It's uh, swimming with sharks and maybe worse. Yeah. Well, and I tell you, you know, we still continue a lot of what he did. He started the uh, the Alcap Prayer Breakfast back right. in 1981, and we re relaunched that this this past spring in 22 in uh, 23, coming out of COVID. Right, and it went and it still went very well. We we had in the 30s and 40s in attendance every single week at it, and uh, so it's still just a wonderful ministry. And some of the guys have been involved for a long time, but we had a lot of the new uh, newly elected legislators get involved this year as well, which was very yeah. encouraging. Well, Alabama Baptists will understand this terminology and evangelical Christians who study Scripture will know we're in spiritual warfare. Sure. And we have to be realize that uh, life is 
a battleground in many ways, trying to deal with, uh, you might call the forces of evil, because this world is hostile. It's a fallen world. We have to recognize that. And sometimes we default into either two directions, utopia, and some people who are partisan feel like we can have what we would call heaven right here on earth, create the perfect society, which is, I, I guess that's a good thing to think about, yeah. but it's impossible. Not realistic. And then for some of us in evangelical circles, we can actually gravitate toward a dystopia where we feel like, man, this is awful, and, and we're living right now with a f- kind of earthly apocalypse that we're having to deal with, and and it's almost like the, the virus has overcome everyone. And yeah. So somewhere in the middle, we operate trying to realize that we're citizens of heaven, trying to be good citizens here and recognize our dual citizenship. And you guys at ALCAP, through the history of ALCAP, have done an excellent job in helping Alabama Baptists and other evangelicals understand that role by being salt and light in the society. All of us have to depend upon the Lord because That's he's right. sovereign. Yep. But we also want to be usable in his service. And well, what you said is right, because I tell people, I say, you know, it's, it's not about me being in the state house or at the Capitol. It's about who I represent. And yeah. uh, first of all, I represent Christ and, uh, and, and, and the gospel. Right. And, but then I represent our churches. And, and I'm really no more effective than the people I represent. You know, I'm one person. Uh, but when we, uh, when we mobilize and when, uh, when the legislators know who I represent, uh, then uh, it does it does give you more influence. It certainly does. Yeah. Well, you, you've done a good job of that and already made good headway with the legislators, as far as I can tell. And I, I think I heard nothing but good reports. Your your board is behind you. Yes, and there are. is a board at ALCAP, folks, made up of mainly pastors from uh, many denominations, but uh, mostly, I guess. Mostly Southern Baptists. Alabama Baptists here, so that's good. And... Uh, Greg, if you were to think about, real briefly, if you were thinking about the future of ALCAP, what you would like it to look like mm-hmm. uh, five years from now, what what would that be? Well, we, we need more feet on the ground. You know, I keep, I've said it a time or two, I'm one person, and it's a big state. And uh, there's a lot of churches to, to inform and educate and get mm-hmm. mobilized. Uh, there's, a, like I said, 140 legislators from every nook and cranny of the state, and uh, you're one person. So, uh, you know, if, if I had, you know, the dream... Uh, it would be that we would have multiple uh, other people like me in different parts of the state who maybe are from that part of the state and have right. lots of relationships and know people and know the legislators and know the pastors and can relate to them on a little closer level. You know, it sure helps when you can see people Friday night at a ball game or you can see them at Jack's on Saturday morning getting a biscuit. Uh, and, I, you know, I don't get that except for right where I live. Uh, so just having uh, other other people that uh, that are gifted in these areas, I think, getting up every day and and working on uh, influencing uh, morality and biblical values here in our state would, would be so helpful. More feet on the ground is certainly uh, yeah. needed. No, that's good. That's a good vision, mobilizing all of us in a way. Yeah. Well, I always like to ask our guests, how can we pray for you? And if you have a specific way you'd like for us as a, an audience of supporters and yeah. co-laborers, how, how can we pray for you? Yeah, well, you know, I, I tell people, I get this a lot. Uh, everywhere I go, people, you know, pastors, when I meet with them, they want to pray for you, and I, that, that is so needed. Uh, protection, I think, is a big key, you know, spiritual mm. protection. Right. You know, we, we have to be very careful. Uh, our testimony, our witness, um, 
Sure. You know, we deal with a lot of issues and people just love to see you, you know, get you in a compromising position. So you lose your credibility. Right. And we all deal with that in ministry, of course. Absolutely. Uh, but, um, that and then uh, just you know being out here on the roads, you know, like you, you know, we're we're traveling all these roads across the state of Alabama, and believe me, know, I know, think, I know. That's what I'm <laughs> saying. You know, <laughs> you, I've I've been anywhere you hadn't been, and uh, so uh, you know that that's a big issue as well. And uh, and then just you know uh, the support of our churches is so key that more would get involved uh, with their influence, uh, even supporting financially, uh, and and just um, you know just going. Hey, how can we make a difference here in our community? Uh, mm-hmm. That that's needed because again, we're a small organization. Well, yeah. I hope we have a big influence, but organizationally, we're very small. It's really about the uh, the thirty three or thirty four hundred churches that we represent. Mm-hmm. That's where our influence is. Well, yeah, you may be a mustard seed, but you have a mountain of influence. Yeah, that's right. I might say that one thing I say to all leaders, and I say about myself: we need wisdom giving us discernment for yeah. living these days and. One little observation, it's a kind of a leadership principle, yet it doesn't come across that way. Uh, I have long since tried not to live in my comfort zone. It's impossible. What you want to do when you're dealing with issues is try to get at peace with it, the strategy you have and what you're facing because you know it's never comfortable. It's always going to be uncomfortable. But when you deal with those critical things, you try to get at peace with what you're trying to do. And I think that that's where you, you'll well, be. Well, we certainly do because we have an ideal of how we'd like things to be, but sometimes it's yeah. not realistic. You're not going to get there all at oh. once. Well, if this country operated the way I wanted it yeah. to, it would not go over very well. Yeah, well, that's so, what I'm saying. And so, yeah. you know, sometimes people can even get upset with us and go, well, you know, well, you, you know, you compromised on this or that or whatever. It's like, no, you know, we, we went for all of it, but you have to, sometimes you have to take the victories you can get, you know, yeah. and, and then live to fight another day. Every football team has to celebrate first downs, touchdowns yeah. in order to have victories. And, and it's not, some games are going to be sloppy and close and that's, that's life. And that's also the work and ministry you, you and I both are in. Thank you again, audience, for being so attentive to One Mission, the podcast. And we are going to be praying for Greg Davis, who's done an exemplary job in these 18 months. He's following in the footsteps of some giants of faith, but he too will have that kind of influence across Alabama. We thank you again, Greg. Well, thank you. you. It's a real honor. We'll be praying for you and your family. Thank you. And God bless you. Yes, you too.